Hi everyone, I'm Greg Mutasevich. When I'm not co-hosting Robots from Tomorrow with Mike Romeo for Multiversity Comics, I'm writing their monthly comic book binding column, Shelfbound. And from now until June 5th, I'm auctioning off a different, custom-bound volume of comics from my collection every weekday to benefit the Hero Initiative. Auctions start at $25 and run for three days. Some of the binds up for auction include Alan Moore's Miracle Man, colored Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novels, and the launch of Milestone Comics, signed and sketched by Dennis Cowan. Follow Multiversity Comics on Twitter and keep checking out the site every day to see what other comics we're pulling out of the long boxes and putting on bookshelves for charity. Maybe your bookshelf. And welcome to Panels in Motion, the podcast where we read a comic, watch the movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. wrong. Oh. So today we're going to be uh, talking about Lone Wolf and Cub, both the first two volumes of the series, uh, the manga series, and the first movie, which in America is subtitled Sword of Vengeance. Such a lame-ass title. So <laughs> to start out... <laughs> to start out, we um, have some basic information about the book. It lasted 28 volumes over September 1970 through April 1976. There was a different writer and artist. So over the course of six years, they created together 28 volumes. That's over 7,000 pages worth of material. That's an <laughs> insane amount of work. That is crazy. That's ridiculous. Um, it's written by Kazuo Koike and illustrated by Goseki Kojima. It was originally released in English by First Comics, and they only got through like a third of the series because it's so long. And then Dark Horse picked it up, started releasing it in volumes, and it was translated for English uh, for Dark Horse by Dana Lewis. Uh, it was one of the first comics uh, mentioned in the first ever Library Journal article on graphic novels from 1990, which is pretty wild to think about. Uh, and it uh, came out, as I said before, in the 70s when comics for adults didn't really exist in the U.S. and they were still pretty new to Japan. Like there was an underground scene uh, in America, but <laughs> underground. Why was that funny, Luke? <laughs> I I just think it's funny. There, it's it's just like how like anime was an underground scene in like the 70s or like the 80s. It's and just, how it's it, taking over this, it the just, world. It, when I when I think of underground, I think of like. You know, like Velvet Underground. Yes, like like Velvet Underground. <laughs> I yeah, think I of the uh, the underground scenes in Super Paper Mario. Really, <laughs> I think of specifically. I think of of the Ramones. I don't know. Well, why. well, the in Super Paper Mario, it was a mixture of like he literally went underground, but also like it was an underground market. Oh, yeah. like what kind of marketplace? Yeah. Like a grocery store? I don't really remember. Come but... on, are you really the fan? Yeah, are you really? <laughs> wow, fake, fake. So gamer. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Comics for adults in America. It was like Robert Crumb type stuff. Oh, okay. Like, Such a fucking creep. Can we talk about that? So it was <laughs> weirdo. It, that was the only type of comics for adults that if, existed. If it, it was that or like kid comics. Or, or newspaper comics. Or, or newspaper comics. Wait, have you seen the documentary? I'm the one who showed it to you. You're right. You did <laughs> show it to me. Like most Luke. things, Nick is the one who introduced me to it. But that guy's a weirdo. Luke, have you seen Crumb, the documentary? No, I have not. Don't. 
I just second, you should. Very, very good. Yeah, you should watch it. But just keep in mind, if we had a list of the weirdest Americans, he would be number one. Think of all the weird Americans that exist. Wow. He's number one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He's number one. Anyway, sorry. Just yeah, so to- back to <laughs> Lone Wolf and Cub. This was a pretty big deal when it first came out in the 80s in America. Um, and it was during the whole uh, like renaissance of comics made for adults. And it was when things like uh, Frank Miller was redefining Batman, Daredevil, and all of that. And just independent graphic novels were becoming a thing uh, more than just the underground, like very aggressively sexual books that existed before that. So aggressively sexual. Yeah, uh, Robert Crumb. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that is aggressively sexual. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So to start out, um, we'll start with. I think Luke will be a fun one to start with because Luke, you have probably the biggest manga and anime background of all of us. So what were your initial thoughts on the comic? Um, I got a, well, the, it, well, let's, let's just say that when I finished the first volume, I immediately got anxious and then texted you asking if I had read it the wrong way. Because, <laughs> because the last story in the volume is should be the first story, and uh, I should also note for listeners that the English translation is flipped, so it's not read right to yeah. left. It's read like American comics. So Luke got confused, <laughs> wondering if he had read the whole thing backwards. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm looking at the page, like the the page numbers, and I'm like, no, I must be right. But why would, why would they have this story at the end and not at the beginning? But uh, it, in in all regards, I I really liked it. It's probably one of the best manga that I've read in a while. Um, well, besides geez. the fact that they they did a, a really weird thing that I don't fully understand where. They didn't translate a lot of the, uh, like words and phrases and titles of mm-hmm. some of the characters, and then yeah. as a result, they had a what do you like a what what do you call it when there's like a thing at the in the back that has definitions? It was just a glossary of terms. Yeah, they had a glossary of terms in the back, but I'm not gonna go. I, I'm not going to go read it first and then memorize all the things and then read it. So it took me a couple volume or a couple chapters to. Mm-hmm figure out like what these things mean just by you know yeah just by thinking about it myself yeah i agree it was definitely difficult to read for the first few chapters for that reason it was especially difficult to read uh i think digital because you kept on having to like go to the end and then go back to wherever your place was whereas if you had a book you could just like flip to the back and then flip back it would be a lot easier and i i really wanted to buy the book i was i was talking about it with you about it uh, but they're just so expensive that yeah. it, it wasn't financially feasible for me to get these volumes and then do something with them. Yeah. When I was every, done with it. Every one of these, not everyone, but the majority of the series is out of print now. Yeah. But I I really liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Okay. Yeah. And uh, one more thing about the translation thing. I agree it, it was difficult, but I appreciated that they kept those terms because there is no direct English translation. Like a Han is a very specific thing. It's not a state. It's a Han. Like it's, it's something that served a different, a different role in Japanese society at See, that time. My, 
and it was very specific. My my I thought my, it was very sorry. My my definition of it that I that I like figured out was more of like just like a a community or like a like a city, like a city state or something like that. Yeah, that's and it wasn't until what the was. second volume that I realized it's like, what it's it was. Like a subdivision. I feel like there was a way to make it all English. Just saying, like I, I appreciate that they were trying to be like authentic with the translation, but I think that some of those things they could have sacrificed the original meaning for the sake of clarity, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of instances. Like, I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, I, it took me like three chapters for me to understand the currency of the of, yeah. the, of the of the land, you know? So I, I just think it could have been so, it could have been simple. I mean, because translation isn't always about like having an exact translation. Translation is about mm-hmm. essence. And if they translated the essence of the story, I feel like it would have been much more digestible for an American audience. But, you know, that's my or, take. Or if they, if they kept it, the original in the actual bubbles or whatever. And then right at the bottom of the page, like in other manga that I've read, yes. they have like footnotes. Yeah, not, it's like yeah. Han. Exactly. I've seen that before too. And yeah. I think that Han that's equals some... city state. Exactly. Exactly. So Andre, what were your, uh, what were your overall thoughts? Well, it wasn't like Luke. <laughs> I, um, I guess I'll start with like the good stuff. So anthology, I thought was really fun until it wasn't. Like I, it's, it's essentially, I get it. It was single issues released in a weekly format, right? Or a monthly format. Yeah, and it's not it's not exactly issues like in Japan manga runs in magazines. Yeah. And so they release like a chapter for in every weekly magazine. Right, right. Yeah. And in that regard, I think that the story is nice. Like it's cool. If I were reading it every week in a magazine, um I would enjoy that. But I'm I wasn't reading it like that. I was reading it like a book. And I just felt like it was because I've read issues by issue stuff, but they bring it together like a graphic novel. And then it, but it comes together like there's it wasn't so ser- serialized. It was it was it, it, there's threads that go till the end. Well, this book has none of that. <laughs> and I so it makes it more of like an anthology, essentially, like scenes of yeah. these people's lives. So I thought and, that and I just want to say in the 70s, like that's the only comics that existed, really. Yeah, well, well, um, well, I mean, well, that's maybe uh, a problem with me in comics in the 70s. Then, but <laughs> but I I. I definitely thought it was fun at first, but then it got to a point where I was like, whoop de fucking do. Like, this guy is a badass samurai, and everyone that he faces, he wins. And it got to the point of me being like, when is he going to destroy these people? Like, I wasn't even cheering for him anymore because I was like, all right, he's going to win. There's no struggle for him. He's so powerful. And it's like, to me, that's almost like a like a like a, a testosterone like fest that it is like like mm-hmm. an actual story of struggle and, and and will and endurance because isn't that what the story of an assassin who is like think of the last story in the omnibus an assassin who has to go to jail to to kill the the jail award um like there's no way that there's no struggle in that experience yet the way it's portrayed is so he's a badass He's the guy who will destroy everyone without anything. There's no struggle for him. So I don't give a fuck because he's always going to win. So in that regard, I thought that it was eh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do, you, do you know if that changes in the later volumes? or uh, I know that it's more about repeating themes and like stuff like that. I think there is an element of things coming together, but I don't think that it's the way that like modern stories come together mm-hmm. yeah. because because of the way that it was serialized because of the way that comics existed back then yeah and i felt that and 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 it wasn't and, and to me it wasn't really like a, a jab at the story but just like it's just not something that i would want to experience but um one of the things that i didn't like um and i guess it's kind of a victim of the, the format and the way that it's released but all the political stuff 
was utterly fucking boring. Like, so boring. It, it like, was, I was so like, complicated. Fuck this. I don't know what I'm reading. I don't even care. There was no stakes also. Like, they would try to explain things like, oh, the Han sister of the blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and you're like, okay, who the fuck is he going to kill? That's all I cared about. And it, and it was funny because in writing, it was so, like, it was very, um, what's the word? It, it was hard to digest. Um, but in the movie, they did a good job about that. And we'll talk more about that later. But in the movie, I thought I was like, well, wow, the political stuff is so much more engaging at this, at, like for the movie. Yeah. So I think we should hit on the idea of like chapter length. In the first volume, the majority of the chapters were about 20 pages. In the yeah. second volume, every chapter was 60 plus pages. And so the format was a little different. Like in the longer chapters, they had more space to like dole out the exposition but then in those initial few chapters you'd have like a few pages setting the atmosphere and then like three pages of really really <laughs> dense just information just, information just information dense. oh my god and then and then you'd have a few pages of like death <laughs> and so from that respect yeah i totally get that however some chapters to me were so interesting in like those few pages and yeah, there were certain, I think the longer chapters overall worked much better. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Even the shorter ones, I just think there's something really interesting about the economy of storytelling that Koike is showing. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to appreciate. You know, my, my, I, like, I, it's not my tea, but it's, it's, it, there's definitely a lot to appreciate. And I think that ultimately it just comes down to this isn't my kind of thing you know mm -hmm. like my my criticisms of this book are just me like this isn't really the kind of thing i'd want to pick up and read oh, like unlike mm -hmm. persepolis or even the mask two things that i can very easily see myself like huh because persepolis was anthology but i was able to read that very fine you know so i think at the end of the day it's just this style this era etc so mm -hmm. but so that was my take on those two things um i thought that the beginning of the first the first uh, we read the two omnibuses so the no, first on the two volumes which make up the majority of the first omnibus it was 28 um, volumes that were then later collected into 12 omnibus volumes gotcha gotcha so we read the first two we read the first 14 chapters gotcha okay so yeah. the first volume um i thought that it started interesting you know i was engaged and it got it really dropped at the middle because i was like okay this isn't going anywhere but it really really picked up at that last story so i even though i didn't love the political stuff and even though i actually didn't even understand fully like his journey into becoming an assassin they only fully got it once i watched the movie okay. um yeah i still felt really engaged by the story. And even though I had a lot of problems with that last story, which we will also talk about, um, I, I, I thought that that was the best story of the entire two volumes. And it mm -hmm. was so good. And I'm glad they ended it with it because it kept me interested. Like, oh my God, the second volume is going to be so much better. And then utter disappointment. But but um, <laughs> but um, it was really good. So I thought it started, it started interesting. It kind of just dragged for the entire book, for the entire volume. And then it picked up, picked up on the very last issue. And um, to me, that was... Um, um, interesting and then the, the, the second volume to me just kind of was just honestly completely dragged out like it was just okay. like utterly like plain and flat interesting yeah. so in that last chapter i'll talk about that for a little mm -hmm. um it was another one where like all of the exposition was contained to just a few pages and yet like you got such a full story in there yeah. and it's like it's funny because they had it was a double page spread and the like panels were spread across the two pages 
and then you just had a blocks of text over it. <laughs> yeah. And so during yeah. those things, it was talking about how like, oh, this is actually based on a folk tale of like in real life, this uh like this division of the uh of this Edo era, uh, they suddenly disappeared. And this is like one explanation of what could have happened. And I thought that was cool. I thought that was really cool too. I actually yeah. really liked that. That was what? that was interesting. Wait, uh, what, page. That, that was that was in the volume. Yeah, yeah. it was. I actually remember oh, that because I, I, I must have just completely skipped it. So I, I understood the journey of how he became an assassin. I just didn't understand the full political details, which is what I understood in the movie. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked was that actually, because I mean, I just yeah. naturally like history and stuff. So to me, that was really cool. Like they connected real life with the book for a sec, and that was yeah. really cool. And that's I think a lot of the series. Uh, I think the strongest point for me, at least, so. I think I was somewhere in between you two. Mm-hmm. I didn't love, love it, but there were a lot of things that I liked about it. And I think I appreciated it more than anything. Yeah, um, I like I, I would probably never read any more, but I really, I enjoyed the experience. So the thing that I found the coolest about the series was just how much it played with history. And that's why I liked, at first it really annoyed me that so many terms weren't translated. But then as I read more, once I started getting the hang of it and kept on flipping back to the glossary, I think a lot of samurai things are about how just rigidly structured Japan was. And I think that's something that you continue to see the effects of in Japan today in their society. Mm-hmm. And so to see like that rigidity in its rawest form is so interesting and just how bureaucratic every piece of their society is. And then you basically have this outlaw coming in and just like going against all of that, but he still plays by a very rigid set of rules for himself. Just all of that. Super interesting to me. Yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. And and I and, and I, I appreciated it for those reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I thought that the historical element to it was really cool. I just think um I think when it comes down to it, like it's like like a, a book you appreciate and a book you like, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I've seen like those movies. are different things. Yeah, those are different things. Yeah, um, I did it. I did. I, I thought that in the end of the first volume with that story with that um, lady who was on the bridge and she was like, wait for me. Mm-hmm. I actually had a simmer of hope that that the second volume, it would become less serialized. And more, um, there were, they would, they, they more would, serialized. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It would be more serialized and it would, um, have more story to it. Um, which disappointed me when the first book, when the first, when the first, um, the first issue of that second volume was like literally like, Oh, I have a mission for you. And then he wins and then they pay him and then he's gone. It kind of just disappointed yeah, me because I but, thought that but, they set themselves up for a really good opportunity to add to the story that was pretty much the same. Like, it's always the same. It's always him going out with his son, killing uh-huh. the people, and then he wins, and then his son almost dies sometimes, so he saves him, and then he almost dies sometimes, but then he never really dies. But each chapter also explores something else within that structure. I think it's like, do you, have you ever seen dinosaur comics? It's like the, no. the two dinosaurs. Okay or I think there are three dinosaurs, but it's written by Ryan North and he takes the same like six panels and he writes a different comic on it like every other day. And he's been doing it for 10 years. Oh, I think I've and seen so, it. It's like oh, on, the, on the web. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, and one of the, oh, it's I've like a pixelated green like dinosaur is one of them. Yeah, I've probably seen it because it's, it's probably gone viral at one point, right? Yeah, yeah like yeah. different yeah. panels from it. Yeah. There was one when he was like, John went 
where did he go? At, like that was anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see this. This sounds really riveting. <laughs> uh, my point is, uh, there are certain things that that play with structure like that. And I'm a structure guy. So I think it's really interesting when you can take a structure and then repeat it over and over, but do and say different things with it every time. And that's what I got out of this book. Well, you see that comic series you'd mentioned just now with the dinosaurs, like it sounds like the, it was set up and designed for that specific purpose. Whereas I feel like this book, this series was not done to do that. Like, <laughs> I think that it just ended up being like, all right, let's write the same thing over and over again, but we have to make it a little different. Like I feel but like see, here's the thing. It's a it's about it's a story about a traveling Ronin assassin. So really, every 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 volume is going to be him killing someone, or you know, every story is about him in the end killing someone or saving someone for money. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's like what what do I expect? You know, <laughs> I guess that's what I'm just having an epiphany. Like maybe I'm just maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I also understand why you don't like it. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Well. <laughs> so I think we've been poking around uh, this point, but to me, I think the idea of samurai movies in Japan and samurai fiction is very similar to the idea of like how Hollywood was taken with Westerns. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm sure people have written about this. I haven't looked it up, but um, yeah, getting from this, it's sort of the opposite in terms of in Japan, it's this super rigid structure. And then this is an outlaw coming in through it. Mm -hmm. And then in Westerns, it's like it's a lawless land, but you still have this outlaw coming in and just go a bigger it. outlaw. <laughs> the land is outlawed, but then you got a bigger outlaw. Exactly. <laughs> it kind of makes sense with American culture, though, right? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Japan goes back to feudal times and, and the United States is, is literally a brand new country. You yeah. Know, with that, that is specifically grew out of not that system, like yeah. specifically against that system. So mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense. I, yeah. I believe that Westerns were even, were were influenced by not not samurai movies, but, you know, samurai stories and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. As in, you know, the one singular hero, Clint Eastwood, who's, you know, all powerful and can shoot three guns at once, you know, stuff like that, can mm -hmm. kill 20 and men with six yeah. bullets. Every, every episode or a chapter or whatever going to a different town and then having the same like yeah it's actually sort of so similar now that you're saying that i'm like oh yeah. shit you're right there there's the like sort of villainous comedical character that's like has bad teeth and bad hair which is you know <laughs> you yeah. know the the ugly from the good the bad the ugly the you know from here <laughs> you know the the mustached man that's yeah. that's the villain that, that's interesting i i never really thought about it like that but i think the one interesting caveat is is, is that like they're just different societies and mm -hmm. they and have then, a different take on it and then the thing that makes this series just very different from any other Western or samurai is the fact that there's a child. There's a literal baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not just a baby, a little literal. baby. <laughs> Even the people in feudal society are like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah they're like, yeah. you're going to make your child do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even they were like, whoa, that's a little bit bad. Like, don't you think like, you're going to have your kids are going to have daddy problems and, you know. You know, maybe he's going to not be happy with the choice he made, but, but then the dad's like, but he chose the sword. <laughs> so shiny. Um, he chose the shiny. <laughs> the sword thing. Uh, I want to talk about the influence that the series had on other uh, media that we see today. So the sword thing in particular, him like choosing the ball or the sword in my favorite TV show, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, mm -hmm. If you guys remember season one, episode 12, The Storm. 
Uh, oh, yes. It, <laughs> classic. <laughs> of course. It was uh, a lot of it was a flashback to Aang figuring out that he was the Avatar. And something that the monks did, they uh, they had Aang choose from this room full of thousands of toys. And he chose uh, four of them. The four that he chose were the only four Avatar relics from his past lives. So I felt like that scene and like, yeah, just the ideas behind it were pretty much the same as the ball versus sword thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was a direct influence. Yeah, probably. Well, um, see, that that's also a uh, a Dalai Lama thing. Oh, okay. So wh- oh. whenever whenever a Dalai Lama dies, like they search around and they have items from past Dalai Lama's lives, and then they they like find a kid that was just born, and then they're like, choose these four objects, and then if they choose three of them, that's you know the, the older Dalai Lamas, then he's the new Dalai Lama. I believe. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. I have no idea about the Dalai Lama. Everyone talks about him, but I never really know what's going on. That makes more <laughs> sense as an influence on Arabic and culture. Yeah, it does, it does right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Other influences, uh, more directly Samurai Jack, which was, a, as we were saying before, uh, before we start, re- started recording, it's more of a comedic take on just the wandering samurai. Which is much appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the Mandalorian, directly, it's, you've got the soldier guy and then baby yoda so i i said i said this months ago and mm-hmm. i don't i don't know if you ended up watching the mandalorian or not but the second no. i wa- i watched like two episodes of it and i'm like oh no this is exactly lone wolf and cub and everyone, mm-hmm. uh, you know you're like no what are you talking about i'm like it's a, a it's a, a warrior who is a badass and can basically do whatever the hell he wants who then has to do with a kid and mm-hmm. even at the well i'm not going to do any spoilers the mandalorian but it's it's a it's a 100% Americanized version. And especially every single episode is a different story that doesn't really connect until, you know, the very end. Mm-hmm. I It's it's one-to-one. Like, some Disney executive in a boardroom was like, oh, yeah, this, you know, this thing hasn't been uh, modernized yet. Let's do it for Star Wars, you know? So so um, basically what you guys are saying is Daigoro equals Baby Yoda. Yes. 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 <laughs> Daigoro. 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 Um, yeah, that's how I read it. That's every him in the time. Album, and then I was like, man, I'm, am I going to have to say that out loud? <laughs> I just said Diagro. I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, well, it's very me. Brazilian of yeah, you, right? Yeah, it sounds, it's a very Brazilian way of saying Diagro. Uh, um, other influences. Frank Miller. So I was saying he was active, uh, very active, doing like Batman Year One, The Dark Knight Returns, uh, Daredevil, uh, Born Again, all those really seminal stories at the same time that this uh, series was being translated into English. And so after that, his series Ronin and Sin City were both very influenced by this uh, book, especially the way that it uh, it takes like it's more about atmosphere and like there's a lot of panels of just setting scenes and doing things like that as opposed to the more american like story 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 that we're used to yeah there's um, a lot and of then, scene setting and then road to perdition which i actually i think we're going to do that soon it's based on a graphic novel it was made into a movie uh mm. i believe 2003 directed by sam mendes who just directed 1917 um i still gotta see it that's interesting yeah, and that movie, it's basically Lone Wolf and Cub set in, like, Prohibition era. Oh, yeah. No, no way. <laughs> that sounds so cool. The Prohibition yeah. era is so yeah, interesting. So, yeah, lots of very interesting uh, influences, and I'm sure there are a ton oh that God, we're not talking about. Yeah, probably. Um, so the, the main thing that we haven't hit on yet is the art 
So uh, the art was very influenced by the Japanese uh, ancient forms of brush painting, which is sort of related to the idea of each stroke of a brush is like a stroke of a sword, and it's used as like a a sword fighting um, like training. I could thing. see that. It, it definitely like worked. You, yeah. If you remember in the Avatar episode, Sokka's master, when he like has his sword master, oh, yes. he, he has to do the painting thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like Karate Kid when he's got to do like wax on, wax off. That oh, I guess I haven't seen Karate Kid. Ever. You haven't seen Karate Kid? No. <laughs> Yo, what are you doing? It's not based on a comic, so why should I care? Oh, oh my I God. Feel like they're having comics <laughs> made of the Karate Kid, though. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the art. Andre, did the art work for you? So I thought now that you're saying that, um, art totally worked in what they were trying to achieve because it was very in line with that style. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's the best form for comics. And the reason I say that is because like, especially during the fighting scenes, I got lost a lot in what was happening. Like, I mean, I know that part of it is because I was reading it digitally and stuff and the scan when you try to zoom in isn't that good. But like, I just felt like it wasn't um, the best way to do a comic. Mm -hmm. but who the fuck am I to say that <laughs> I, I, I do think that it worked with what they're trying to achieve especially since you're saying that because it's really really like nice in, in terms of the strokes and stuff well part of it is that the printing uh I don't know what the deal is with the printing but I think like they took these like fine brush strokes and then they uh just processed it so that it's like all black and like oh. very yeah interesting so they fucked it up oh they they hardcore fucked it up yeah but i think that's the only way that it's ever been reprinted andre did you i know luke you looked at it andre did you look at the link that i sent to the gallery edition so no. gallery editions are a thing um where uh publishers will put out like at the size of the original artboard so like very big and it's a direct high quality scan of the original art Mm -hmm. And so if you look at that, it looks so good. Like the version that we read, it didn't look that great. But the that, like if you look at the original art, it is incredible. Huh. That's interesting to know. I, I, I You know, it's funny. I did note that the scan that I was reading was not great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something I didn't know. I was like, this yeah. scan kind of sucks, honestly. But um, but I now that you're saying that, that makes a lot of sense. Luke, what did you think about the art? Um, I loved it. Like a like a lot a lot and like andre was saying he didn't like the you know how they drew the sword fights or like painted the sword fights really but honestly the the way that they painted the fights and like the atmosphere and the environment and all all that it it kind of while i was reading it i was sort of like making sound effects in my head sort of thing of like wind rushing by or like the snowfall or like you know them walking you know from place to place or you know the clinks of swords and stuff like that and the yeah just the way that they drew it in such a very fluid and uh alive like way made me get much mm -hmm. more into the story and appreciate it even though because of these long explanations of the story, I had no idea what was going on half the time until mm -hmm. until the very end where he would then be like, I'm killing you because of this. And I'd be like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, this gallery edition is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah. Luke, I wish you could see Andre's face right now as he's looking at these original pages. Yeah, this is insane. <laughs> Why was I reading some shitty ass? I should have been reading this. I got to learn Japanese. It's, well, the um, this is that, amazing that. 
It's only they re- selected pages from the entire like seven thousand page run, Holy and then they balls. like printed them. Dude, this, this, this you know, oh, I have some those boxes right there. Uh huh. Those are other gallery editions for other books. Oh, I'll, I'll check those out later. Yeah. But like, yeah. So, but like, that's the size that it's at. Holy crap! No, I mean, I'm <laughs> looking at this and like, just like the scenes where like he he stabs someone is a great example. Wow, it's it, dude. The the bloods. I mean, I love how the blood. Yum. No, but like the blood splatter is insane. It's like the blotting. It's like what. Mm-hmm. Well, it really, uh, I guess that's a big takeaway for the readers. If you're able to read I don't think some it version exists, of it, though. that's not. Unless it's been remastered in Japan yeah. somehow from all the original pages, but I don't know how many exist. Yeah, because, um, wow, this is so much better. Even as a reading experience, it's like, this is much easier to even comprehend. There's so much more depth behind it. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like when they scanned it and, and like brought up the contrast, they really killed a lot of the depth without without meaning to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, did you did you read it on a tablet or a phone, Andre? Uh, I read it on a tablet. Yeah, me too. I read it on a phone. So. I feel like the version that we read, it might even look better on a phone. Yeah, it probably did. Because, <laughs> it probably did because the the, the oh. that hoopla scan sucks. Yeah, you can't. I would try to zoom in, and it's like, yeah, Jesus, for this us, sucks. Number one, hoopla. It's like sort of lower quality than what you get if you bought it. Mm-hmm. But then it's also this specific one. Usually, it's like digital files, but it looked like it was actual like scans. Exactly. Of the That's exactly. Pages. No, it definitely yeah. was. Yeah. I, on the double page page ones, yeah. I saw sometimes like that that the fold was like slightly off, like yeah. almost like you know when you're trying to scan something at home. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, but that was just. The version that's available. So maybe one day we'll have a better version. Wow, that's really uh, interesting. Yeah. So I think we're uh, about done with what we want to talk about the comic. I mean, the only other thing, Dagoro, adorable. Hell agreed? yeah. Yes. Very agreed. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think it's a question. And I think we'll get much more into that in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take our break right now and we'll be back in a few minutes. Peace out. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at multiversitycomics.com. So let's dig deep. Welcome back. Daigoro. 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 So we're going to be talking about the Lone Wolf and Cub Sword of Vengeance movie from 1972. That is an American ass title. Yeah. Sword of Vengeance. It says. Yeah. But it, it translates to something differently uh, from the original Japanese. I'm not sure what it is, but it's not Sword of Vengeance. It's probably like Sword <laughs> of... Daigoro. So anyway, Sword of Vengeance. Yo. It was directed by Kenji Misumi. Uh, I'm not sure what else he did, but really interesting. It was written by Kazuo Koike, who wrote Lone Wolf and Cub, the no comic. No way. Yeah, so he actually, he that took these like ideas and just reformatted them and expanded on them. And since he didn't have the constraints of the page count, uh, like his constraints were an hour and a half movie. So he was able to do so much more. It came out in January 1972, so about a year and a half after this comic started. Um, and then there were six movies made between 1972 and 1974. And then there was also 
and this is Shogun Assassin, it was an English language compilation of like scenes from all six movies put together with a new story in English, like an uh-huh. English dub. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. Wait, so Shogun Assassin was it was number two or movie like the last one? It was it was an English thing where they took scenes from all six Japanese movies and then made a story in English with an English script and dubbed over with it. an amazing synth soundtrack. That's awful. Did you watch it? No. Oh. Well, Luke watched part of it. Luke, why did you do that? Well, because I've known about the movie for the past like six years. Because on Record Store Day, I went and bought that because it just looked cool and nothing else I wanted to buy from record store day was there. And then I listened to the soundtrack and I'm like, this is amazing. I have to watch it someday. And then when lone wolf and cub came and I was like, Oh wait, I know what this is. But, uh, in the, in the end, I only actually ended up watching, uh, was it good? Well, see, I, I didn't know it was all six movies. I, I thought it was just, uh, the first, uh, the first movie and the second movie together. But that's just what I read on Wikipedia. I'm a, oh, okay. I could be wrong. I thought it was all six, yeah, I did, but I know that it's a compilation of multiple ones. But where the like first fifteen minutes is just the the scene where they uh, like the mother gets killed and then he becomes the Ronin, and then it instantly okay. goes to the second one. Sense. And I'm like, oh, I haven't watched the second one, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, finish it. But it's it's great. It's so very did you fun. Like it? It's it's. I, I I think it's a actually an improvement in really? some ways than the originals. Yeah, fascinating. I Maybe wonder if it's on Criterion. It probably is. It is. Oh, it is? is. Yeah, I watched it last night. Oh shit! Okay, well that sounds like <laughs> awesome. I watch. I watched the yeah. second one first though, so just to yeah. not ruin it. Yeah. Um. So in addition to those movies, there was also a different movie made in '93. Hollywood's been trying to make like a direct adaptation for a while. There was a TV series in Japan. So this thing. It's been made into a bunch of different things. Since we started with Luke last time, Andre, what were your initial thoughts on the movie? Okay, so, like, let's all remember, if you don't remember, like, a few minutes ago, where I was like, fuck the book. Um, Entering a movie, I was like, fuck the movie. Like, I I, I don't want to watch this shit. I'm, I don't know why I'm doing this podcast. My life is, is, a, is a disaster. I hate, I hate everything. So I started watching a movie, and I watched it in the morning. So you know I really didn't want to watch it, because, like, I like watching oh, movies at no. night. So um, in my in like on my TV, you could kind of see the reflection of the window. That's how much I didn't care. But then, <laughs> but I'll tell you something. When the movie started, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna whip out my my black giant thing to cover my windows because I was that invested." The movie wow. was so fucking good. I can't say that enough. That was like <laughs> the best fucking old ass movie I've seen in a while. Like, wow. Yeah, it was so good. I was so wow. into it, dude. From the first scene, I was like, "God damn, the cinematography is amazing." But forget that because that was enough. Like, that was already enough for me to appreciate. I was like, "God damn, the story is so unique." And and it was different. Although you're saying. Because I don't recall, you said that that last story in the in the first volume like would go back and forth. It did not. It was not structured no, like I movie. didn't say that it went back and forth. I oh, was okay. just saying it. So the the movie was based on two chapters. It was, I believe, the last two chapters in the first volume. Um, it was a sixty page chapter and then the twenty page origin chapter. No, and I it, it well, sort of flipped back, back and forth. Well, you know? the way that the, the way that the story was structured in the movie made it was was so good. It, it, it kept me. I was on. I was hooked the entire time. It was really well put together. It was really well thought out. Um, I thought that the political stuff, like I said earlier, the political stuff was so much more digestible. And I think part of it is the translation they didn't um, because of subtitles. Mm-hmm. 
they they did a better job of translating essence. I thought there was a lot of less like nitpicky word bullshit. Um, but forget that. That wasn't even the re- one of the reasons I hated. I didn't hate the book, but one of the reasons I didn't like the book. Um, I just thought that they did a good job visually explaining and expressing the feudal dynamics of the situation, how he became a shogun, building that tension of like, oh wow, there's a lot at stake here. He just left his 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 uh his uh his his uh, what is it called? His dayo, whatever. Uh, Daigoro? No, no, that's his son. It's uh, <laughs> a thing that's on the community, but it's on a city state. Han. Han. He left his Han. He was kicked out. He could never go back to the main to Ito. Blah 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 blah. I thought that the movie what? did a really good job explaining things, making it clear, explaining not only the story stuff, but like explaining the political context and also really great job in making you want to know. Yeah. It was all, and, and, oh, and then the whole story with the wife, the fact that they show the wife dying made it so much more gripping. I was like, oh, they fucking killed his wife. I was so pissed. I was like, kill those motherfuckers. I was like, go the way of the demon, bitch. I was like, I was, I was like all on board. Cause like he made it that much more relevant to me. Like the whole thing with the ball and the sword and the book. I was like, what the fuck is this? But with the movie, I was like, that's right. The way of the sword. That's right. Avenge your mother, baby. Like that's what I thought. Daggero, you go, boy. So in, little baby. In that chapter in the book, it was the one we were saying where it was like, the two-page spread and just paragraphs on the page. Yeah. So like each sentence was expanded into like multiple minutes of movie. Yeah, and it wasn't and it, and, and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't expository. That's yeah. a big thing. Like it was really all there was very little dialogue in those scenes, but you mm-hmm. totally understood. There were some expository like oh, like, the, like the symbol thing and the shirt. Like mm-hmm. obviously he needed to do that. Like how the fuck am I going to get that? But like but. I thought it was so well done, like him waiting with his kid, him wearing white, like it, it, that was so much more impactful, especially knowing that it's like, especially with the color, that that obviously mm-hmm. helps. Um, it overall was just so much more engaging than the books and and it was fun. That's another thing I want to say. It was really, really fun. Like the mm-hmm. action in the manga, like we said, it, it's part of it has to do with the printing, but it was very easy to get lost in it because yeah. um, it was just really like a lot of complicated strokes, blah, blah, blah. Like, and it was obviously the one, the contrast is boosted up. You don't even really get a lot of it but with the movie even though it's 70s movie action like where you stab someone with a sword and it's like ketchup comes out of the person like i <laughs> I, I, loved I, I loved it i don't know like i i totally get why hollywood used to do that because it's so fucking like exciting it's like bah, and it's like blood splatters <laughs> everywhere it's like that's not how it works but i love it i, w- I wish they still did it i wish they still yeah, did it the the third episode of samurai jack like it's so the the first three episodes are like a movie the third part of that is like directly lone wolf and cub, but it's robots and oil spurts out of them. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember so that. That's so awesome. I, yeah. I I love Samurai Jack for the comedy aspect. I, I used to like that show as a kid. It's funny how this book influenced something that I consumed in my childhood. <laughs> but anyway, it was much more, the movie was much more um, digestible. And I thought that it was a lot, the action really came to life as opposed to the manga. So, um, yeah, and I and like I said, I really liked the way that they structured the story. I thought that they did. I, it's funny that the only the only story we've talked about today from the last from the first volume is the last one, and it's funny how that's the one that they made the movie about. And I thought that was a really smart decision because that was the one that like was most engaging, the most that had the most stakes. And um and I thought that the way that they structured that story with the background story from the previous episode from the previous um, story before that I thought it was a really smart way to to tell that story. I just thought it was really really well thought out. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say how I think it's really um cool how despite enhancing the book, the source material, it still was really. Um, really like it really honored the source material like it was really like almost like panel by panel in some point in some instances where oh. they literally like 
they took the story of the book and they were like, we're going to make this into a movie because it's good enough. And they fixed the movie so that it wasn't like this episodic series. And um, and I think that that was really cool to see how they were able to enhance it while still keeping true to the original content, which in instances like um, like that weird sex scene in the sauna, like was almost like interesting that they were so committed. They were so committed <laughs> that they kept stuff that I think they could have easily removed. Anyway, Luke, what were your initial thoughts on the movie um i loved it a lot honestly uh just it's it's a very fun movie (laughs) and the the first time where he like slashed his sword into someone and the blood just started coming out i'm like oh yeah this is my this is my shit oh yeah Yeah, this is gonna be great um yeah like the cinematography was great uh the the like surprisingly good like and it was just so minimum as well minimal as well like That's some true. like a lot of the fight scenes were just one whole you know like t- 10 seconds or 20 seconds which is just something we don't see nowadays and i was very very appreciative of mm-hmm. even though the choreography was really bad at times it was still a sort of like it 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 felt great and natural and yeah, like they adapted the story mm. perfectly. I wish I wish they included one more story in in yeah. that in the in the movie that they had in the in the volume. The uh but you know, it's an hour and a half movie, what are you gonna do? But yeah, like the story was great. I I like perfect like the actors were perfect for what I was imagining as I was reading. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh as I was reading it, Daigoro. It's perfect. Dagoto is perfect. Yeah, he's always perfect. Uh, the, 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 he, I want. I want to see what he looks like now because I think he'd be like forty or fifty years old. But um, yeah, you're right. I wonder what he looks like today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I loved it. I I really want to watch the other ones and also finish Sogan Assassin. But um, my my only thing was, it felt like I I I was trying to look up how uh, how much of a budget these movies had and I couldn't find it, which probably meant it wasn't a lot. And well, it was, I feel it was like, like a, a studio assistant movie because they made six over two, three years. Yeah. But then you, you could also be like, we have six movies. Each one of these is a million dollars, you know, mm-hmm. and 600,000 is going to go into, you know, shooting or building sets, mm-hmm. you know? But, um, I, I did feel like the, in regards to the edit, uh, the audio, like there just was not as many like sound effects and stuff as I would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Like even some like like just to get me more into it because as when I was reading, I'm like I said, I was imagining you know the snow falling and the you know footsteps walking through the you know gravel and these epic sword fights. And then when it came to the movie, it was like slash slash. Yeah, but it was a seventy. You can't give. You can't. You can't. Go, you can't blame them. First of all, it's it's a movie that they like whooped well, out and like. I mean, in the Japanese studio system, they're insanely efficient. Like they're whooping out like so many movies within a time yeah. span of like what, like five years or less. So I mean, like you can't blame them for not being so nitpicky about like sound design, you know. And I don't think it took away from the story. It, oh no, exactly. But the thing is, in Shogun Assassin, they did add in those sound effects, which made me enjoy it much much more oh interesting in, in regards to it it made me get more engrossed into the story gotcha gotcha but i i i 
I loved it. It, w- it was really great. You know what I liked about the movie? I thought it was a really great movie to casually watch, too. It's, like, not too heavy. Um, it, it kind of lends – the story lends itself for that. It's, like, a casual watch. You could wa- you could either watch it while you're, like, eating dinner or, like, or like doing something else, you know? It's, was, not like a, it's not like I was, I was about to say. Yeah, it's not like a watch you can – you, you have to sit down and, and, and absorb. It's really really just a chill movie. To, it's easy to watch. It's actually really fun. It's got a lot of good elements to it. And you could watch it if you wanted to. That's what I did, but – yeah. So I think my feelings, yeah, I liked the movie a lot. Uh, it was it was fun. I don't know if I'd watch any more, but really? yeah, I definitely had a good time with it. And specifically, like you guys were saying, like the the splatterhouse elements, those were what made it really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the sorry, I, I'm I'm going to interrupt you, but the the scene. Uh, when he first fights the, uh, you know, af- after he gets uh, kicked out and becomes a Ronin, when he fights the son of the shogun, shogunate, <laughs> and there's just the beautiful scene with his head cut off and the blood just splurting out of his head and the <laughs> yeah, setting sun. Awesome. I'm like, oh, it's it's perfect. This is amazing. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> sorry. Continue, continue. Historically, I've always been like not into gore, but this it was so fake that like. It was just fun in terms of like the poetic quality of what was playing out on screen in front of you. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's that's why I like yeah. it. It's like a nice. Yeah. It's like a nice balance. Mm-hmm. So, um, Diagoro, Diagoro, <laughs> the actor that played the actor that played Diagoro Akihiro Tomikawa. Um, can you read that better? You're better at Japanese than I am. Uh, Akihiro Tomikawa. Oh, <laughs> I did a great job. So, um, this guy. Um, the reason I'm saying I'm mentioning him, he's still pretty cute. Like he's still a pretty cute little baby face. Look at that. <laughs> he's Ooh, very baby yeah. face. He's yeah. really baby faced. So Diagoro, we could all uh, agree, uh, Diagoro, he aged well. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually, uh, I'm pretty sure Kazuo Koike is the writer, but there's a new Lone Wolf and Cub series that's about Diagoro as an adult with his own baby. Oh, yes. oh my God. The daddy issues continue. Like it's like a chain of, of, of daddy issues. Oh my God. Like I'm going to make my and they're going to go on forever until the Edo period ends. Oh my God. But the Edo period lasted what? Thousands of years? Yeah, a few hundred. Oh, really? Yeah. Then what happened? Oh, only a I few never hundred. I really, never really. I'm not sure. I have to watch that Bill Wirtz video, the history of Japan again. Oh yeah. That was a great video. <laughs> so I want to say something. Mm-hmm. This has been on my mind since we were talking about the book. Go on. Oh, Daigoro is cute. <laughs> I know, right? Daigoro, you age well, man. If you hear this, like, just know. We're fans. We're fans of the work of your face. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, Andre. Continue. So, okay, this is what I wanted to say. And I've been wanting to say this since the book thing. Look, guys, it's an adult series. I get it. Like, sex is all right. Okay, but can we just agree how, like, I don't even mind. Look, that rape scene when they were entering the sauna. I'm going to call it the sauna city because that's what they were all there just to go to that the, sauna. The right? hot springs. The hot springs, whatever. It was a hot spring on there. Get it that right. It's rape- not a sauna. I'll have you know. I'll have you know. It's, it's a hot spring. <laughs> it's a Japanese thing. It's different. <laughs> okay, noted. Sauna, a sauna is when you're in a room. It's Swedish, I think. But this, there was a sauna in the hot springs city, though. That's where the sex happened. Like the sexy stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is what I want to talk about. Okay. The rape scene, um, look, when they were entering the hot spring city, um, fucked up. It was really like, it really set the tone. In the books, I I was really disturbed by it. um, And I was like, damn, they're going into some real bad shit right now. So I understand the purpose it achieved. Um, The rape scene, same thing in the movie. 
Although it's even worse seeing it on screen, honestly, like seeing a woman yeah. get raped and then her dad get to see it and get killed. It was really, it was, it's like, I know it was like very minimal, like in showing stuff, but it, it like the psychology it still, of it, yeah. it was fucked up. Like yeah. it, it, that, that fucked me up. But I was like, you know what? It makes sense for the story. It was there because they, um, they were really setting the tone. Um, can we just agree that that sex scene in the sauna with the, with the, uh, the lady of the night, um, was fucking weird and, and kind of unnecessary to the story. So... I don't know how I feel. Like on one hand, I in the I book and the movie, in, in either I think it's an interesting exploration of like moral gray areas and just how these conflicting yeah. systems of beliefs exist. Because like rape, like the guy would rather have sex with her and like let go of his own, like just be shameless in that sense for the sake of protecting this woman. And yet, uh, on the other hand, I can see, like, just a bunch of, like, Japanese men in 1974 being like, oh, that's so deep. That, that, this is what <laughs> I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's whatever. exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying, in the, in what, in, and, I, and, I, and I agree with that, of course, and mm -hmm. I thought that that did introduce an interesting element to the story. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I couldn't get over the fact that just, like, a bunch of horny guys were like, oh, yeah, like, this will be so sexy. Like, he'll have sex with her for her, for him, and he'll let go of his honor because, like, he's going to save her life. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's hot. And I, I, can't, I can't get over that very yeah. clear like i i thought that that was over like i thought that, that was a little over the top for sure there's absolutely an element of that and and i was like, wondering if, it, if the movie was made today that scene would not exist yeah no and, and like, it's funny because oh, today no. in today's oh, world no. sex is more normalized but i just felt like that scene was inserted because of horny guys that's what i'm trying to yeah. say there are, there are other ways to explore the same concept exactly but they chose this yeah, yeah and there's other sex scenes in the book like there's other sex scenes in the book that i'm like all right fine like all right that's a sex scene i don't really care like all right you got it like the guy is sleeping with the the queen and, and he's the soldier like i, I get it like th like those are story things but like i thought that that specific scene was like I just I don't think that they're being like this is for the story. Like I just yeah. don't. I just yeah. don't. And I hated that. I want to say I really hated that. Um, I thought it was stupid. I thought it took away from the story. I thought that in the movie, um, I, I, Luke, you were mentioning how sexy it was, like the I, cinematography. I, 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 like, I, I didn't say sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 no, like cinematography. No, the cinematography in that scene did a really good job, like emphasizing like how hypersexualized it was. And I thought it was funny that they chose the cinematography that they did because. It only enhanced my thoughts that like the only reason the scene is here is to make it be like the super sexy thing for guys to be like, oh, yeah, about, you know, like, and there's no element of like, oh, there's no reason, other reason it's here. Like, why did her character exist? In the book, her character exists so that she could take him to the next quest, which was like kill the jail ward. But in the movie, in the movie, I thought it was even funny that they included her in the movie because she wasn't even relevant in the movie because she didn't even go with him. The only thing they cut from the original book stories um, was the girl leaving with him. Like he, she ended up leaving and staying back because he threatened yeah. to cut the bridge. So I thought if you're going to cut that, that's the one thing you choose not to include, then why the fuck is she there? Like well, what? Like I said, it's still it's the way to explore the different like ways of uh, just like the different codes of ethics that the people have and like how they're uh -huh. just to show them clashing and what happens when that happens. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just I I I mean, like I hate to to be a, a little baby, but I just I just thought it was <laughs> I just couldn't get over that. It always makes me uh -huh. like kind of annoyed because it's like. It didn't need to be there. It didn't need to be <laughs> At there. The end it was, of the day, yeah. that's the thing yeah. that matters. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I can I can agree on that. So, Daigoro's hair. Daigoro is uh, so cute. Wait, wait, first off, his I hair. I don't know what you're talking about here. I I, I saw this point last night, and I'm I'm mm -hmm. 
I've been waiting for you to explain this. I, I, I didn't see this one. I just saw that. Wait, I just want to tell people in the outline, it literally says, Daigoro's hair made so much more sense. <laughs> but, okay, in the book, I was like, is it just always shiny? What is that no, space there? I didn't head. realize he like, he had a top knot. It was shaved, but he kept the bangs. It's the way they did it back then, Nick. Listen. It's fashion of the Edo time. Listen. Nobody else was both shaved and had bangs. But Daigoro was different, Nick. He's chosen <laughs> He's the way individual. of the assassin. He's chosen the way of the Ronin. Sword shiny. Sword shiny. Sword shine. Listen. So in if, the movie, if, I mean, in the movie. If, if, I was, if I was on a subway in Brooklyn on the L, going to Bushwick, I would see like six people with this hairstyle right now. <laughs> it's coming back. That's so funny. No, I think I think that it's funny that you say that, Nick, because I literally didn't notice anything. No. <laughs> I literally was not like. Not at all. This is the baby. Okay. This is, this the, is the baby, baby with the fucked up haircut, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> this is the cub. That's him. Really, there's like, all he would do is pee on people. Pee on he people. Did. He did a lot. <laughs> all he would do is pee on people and Pretend almost to die. drown. Pretend to drown. Almost, died, almost yeah. died. Oh, we didn't talk about this in the podcast. The avalanche? Like, yeah. like, like, the, like, the son's about to die, and the dad's like, well, that's how we do it here. <laughs> this is like, he has chosen the way of the assassin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, way to rationalize murdering your baby, you monster. You have five days worth of food. If you run out, you die. All right, okay. daddy. <laughs> if I don't come back, you die. <laughs> the only thing that Dagoro ever said, he like he sang that song about poop falling down a mountain, right? Or no, no, no. It was a different song that he sang. But he he did sing. <laughs> no, no. Well, no, he sang that one. No, oh, he okay. sang that one. But he, those were the only things that yeah. he ever said. He did not um, know so what he was like, doing. How old is he supposed to be? He has no idea what he's gotten himself into. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's way above his. He's way above his pay grade. He's like uh-huh. he's like maybe I should have chosen the ball. Well, he doesn't realize yet, but one day he will. Well, I guess not. Well, it's too late, so he has to accept it because that's just the society. <laughs> Whew. Wow. Okay, so we've we've hit most points that we want to hit, um, but the scenery for me we didn't really talk about. Mm. Like you, you mentioned the the sunset scene, but I think just in general, the scenery was so great. And in the book, you have like some scenery shots, and like they're just panels that are setting the mood but then once you get into the action it like doesn't really play a role in the movie everything was very choreographed around what the scenery was if it, if they were fighting in the temple everything was very choreographed around like the temple and like how like things look from the outside and seeing people like from the alley from the perspective of the alleyway someone like getting like cut and yeah. thrown into it the um, rain the rain scene the rain fight the rain that fight, was so good the the fight on the the, the lake yeah. or the waterfall that was, that was so, so yeah, the only the that. only scene that i thought there was like movement that didn't really make sense was it was when they're in the uh the hot springs like daigaro the the dad and the woman and there's just like a long like one minute dolly shot going like in like a weird circular motion going backwards and i'm like i don't really understand what what this is for because it's not getting it's it was it was like we were on the uh the steam that was coming off of the hot spring yeah, yeah but, but, honestly, but Nick, here's i think the thing. That, that was probably when it. It, whenever <laughs> whenever the steam would like shoot up the camera was just like off a little bit so by the time the steam like they would get to where the steam was it was already dissipated like it, it it's probably like, not real steam either too it's probably just a smoke machine or something because oh, if it was no, real definitely. steam that would have fogged up the lens 
it, it felt like very yeah. much they were trying to make it into like a transition of like having you know the whole scene covered with smoke and then it would transition into whatever whatever else like the next scene and they were just like fuck fuck more more fuck no wait less fuck no more fuck uh it's fine whatever <laughs> <laughs> we have we have yeah. we have 10 minutes to make this scene <laughs> let's just do it however works yeah <laughs> are you are you disappointed that they cut some stuff from the volume like they cut one of my favorite stories which was the uh like the woman warriors i don't know if they put that in the second movie but like the nine women warriors that were all like trying to kill him i loved that story so so much and oh, that was a great opportunity to have naked woman too like that was oh, yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah anyway but but then when they didn't have it in the movie and they just stopped right at the hot springs i was like oh i guess this is a good uh, fine ending like they had to make their they, decisions. Yeah, they didn't cut anything. They just chose what they wanted to adapt. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, have you seen every single one? Because maybe they ended up making I it. I know. That's that's why I want to watch the other ones to see if they have yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to watch the other ones too. So any closing thoughts before we go on to the ultimate question? No? Uh, nah. Di- how cute is Daigoro? Daigoro is really cute. Very cute. As an adult <laughs> and as a kid. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Uh, I was on IMDb. I, I've almost forgot to mention this, but I was reading the uh, the trivia, and the actor of Daigoro was sentenced to three years now, in prison you, for no, drug smuggling. That's false. Fake news. That's the Daigoro of the TV show that was taking place <laughs> no. in the 70s. Yes, it was. No, it's no, not no, the, no, it's no, not no. the Daigoro of the movie. The, the guy that I just said, he strangled somebody and stole their money. Uh, Akihiro Tomikawa. Akihiko. For Shogun Assassin, Lone Wolf and Cub. 1980, 1972, 1973. He's a hard prison man. No or baby. Way. Hard prison. Baby. I saw see see Luke, I saw that article, but I I um I I thought it was it said it's it's it said it was from the TV show, the popular TV Samurai series. So I I mm, it might have been a mistake in the article. Oh, it appears that both Daigoro actors are now in Japanese prison. <laughs> so wait, so that's like a real thing. Both. Well, is it any surprise? Well, yeah. Wait, that's such a coincidence. Me, the both Daigoros are in jail. Yeah. No. Look, it. It. I was just seeing. It said they both were in jail. No way. Is it any surprise? We, we called it from a mile away. Daddy issues, problems, like from like Daigoro. Oh my god. Alright, so the final question of the day is would you rather the book or the movie? Andre, we know your answer, but movie. just tell us. Jesus Christ, please spare my life. Alright, Luke? <laughs> movie, definitely, but I'll still read the books. Yeah, I appreciate the book. I, I, like This was a good discussion. I like these discussions because it, I always come in real hard, like I hate this book, but then I always come out like, you know, maybe I was the problem. <laughs> like, I, I like that. <laughs> I'm changing maybe, my ways. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me, yeah. yeah. So, for me, honestly, I okay, I'm not of, totally of course, sure. The opposition. I think I, think I <laughs> lean a little bit towards the book. Oh, fuck off. But I'm not sure. Of course, the, I'm not of course, sure. the guy that likes comics so much likes the book. Bo- <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> you're like Luke right now when we were talking about the mask. You like yeah. you like the worst the the worst one better. Well, one day you're gonna Listen, be that Dagaro guy. Dagaro is your Jim Carrey. Yeah, right. You've been that guy. Luke's been that guy. Maybe I'm gonna be that guy. One You'll day. be that guy for Scott Pilgrim. So thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll be back next month with Ghost World, which was originally a comic serialized in the '90s, written and drawn by Dan Klaus, and was a movie in 2001 directed by Terry Zweigoff, who directed Crumb. No! <laughs> I just realized this. That's wild. No, but that was a great movie. That was a great movie. Yeah. I just don't like Crumb. <laughs> I guess I should say, yes! 
Oh, that's wild. Wow, okay. that's really wild. Man, I haven't talked about that movie What a small... Years. I mean, it's crazy that both Diagonals are arrested, right? Like, yeah. that's crazy as a world we live in. All right, so thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next month. <laughs>